This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. Hello, guys, and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. Today, I'm super excited to have the incredible Amanda on with me. Hey, Amanda. Hello. Welcome. This is your very first podcast. It is. Thank you so much for having me. And I couldn't think of anybody better to do it with than you. So thank you. Stop it. Stop it, you. (laughs) So me and Amanda met, we used to work together. We're in the same office. Mm -hmm. And... Well, she worked in a different team than I did, but you were a part of our team. We loved Oh, thank you. We were the loud ones in the office, the annoying ones. Not annoying, but definitely loud. Definitely <laughs> loud. We got told off so much. <laughs> but we like to have, You've fun. have fun. You got to have fun. You got to have fun. Exactly right. So Amanda's on today to chat about her story over the past couple of years. She's been through some pretty tough stuff. Thanks so much for coming on. Now to kick start the podcast, I always start with our yay and our nay for the week. So yay being something that worked out really well and your nay being something that worked out not so well. So do you want to kick it off, Amanda? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So my yay would be I have taken off my wig. So I guess that's probably a little bit of a reveal as to what could have been going on for me over this past year or two. But I've taken off the wig and I've received quite a few compliments. So that has made me feel a bit more confident without wearing a wig. So that is my yay. And my nay would have to be yesterday we went into the show, the Easter show in the city and had a great day. So that's a yay. However, getting home, just getting Lily into the car, my husband and I took two cars just because of what we were doing throughout the day. And she went back and forth between the cars about eight times and it was just infuriating she's three so quite infuriating is she three I feel your pain three-year-olds are just like they're actual little nightmares (laughs) I mean bless their souls they're beautiful but they are nightmares I remember like I mean we all do before we're parents you have all these big assumptions and judgments about parents Sonny was fine at two I don't know what Lily was like two I didn't get the terrible twos he hit three Mm. and holy moly Like they just, the amount of attitude and the tantruming is out of control. So she it's a button. Oh, it's It's like a button. As soon as they turn three, it is just the why button. I get asked why about 10,000 times a day. Yeah. It's just a whole different ball game. Oh, it's so much fun though, isn't it? It is so much fun. It keeps me on my toes and it's absolutely so much fun, but it is hard it's testing it's so testing on your patience isn't it yeah 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 I totally agree okay so my yay and nays my nay would be that I am going to bed way too late and Mm. so I'm studying nutrition at the moment and like you would understand having a toddler at home you can't study when you've got a toddler so my time to study is in the evenings but that's also when I do a lot of my work so 
it means that my bedtime's getting pushed out because I do my work and then I need to start studying my course. And before you know it, it's 2 a.m. and I'm still mm. up and I've got to get up early. So that's not good because that's I'm really finding it's affecting me now. I'm feeling really fatigued. So I need to come up with a better structure. And what I need to do is start getting up earlier and studying before Sunny wakes up. But my body clock's all out of whack and I'm staying up too late. So anyway, I'm just making excuses for the fact that I need to go to bed earlier and wake up earlier. So that is my nay. But my yay was I had a photo shoot with some of my clients this week, which was so much fun. So I wanted to have a photo shoot with them to really celebrate their success and who they are right now. You know, I think like we can glamorize an end goal and completing an end goal but really it's like as lame as it sounds is about the journey and really celebrating your small wins on the day-to-day so that's what the purpose of that photo shoot was and I had a ball and the girls looked incredible so oh, that's amazing yeah it was so good all right so let's get into this episode so Amanda you have been on an absolute whirlwind the past couple of years and I think maybe I'll just hand it over to you to kind of let us know a little bit about maybe just a little bit about you and then what the past few years has looked like for you. Sure so I am 34 I'm soon to be 35 in a couple of weeks I have got two young children. I've got a three-year-old named Lily and I've got an an almost eight-month-old named Jasmine. I've been with my husband for about 14 years, lived in Adelaide most of my life. We did a small stint in Melbourne and like you introduced before, I currently work at Anglicare at the moment, but I'm on maternity leave. So I've had a really You know, the past couple of years have been a bit of a mix of good and bad. So it started out with this journey, and it is a journey. It started out almost 12 months ago. So I was breastfeeding Lily, who is three, and at the time she was just under two. So I was breastfeeding Lily, and I started to get a little bit of pain, and I just brushed it off. I thought, you know, I'm starting to wean her. It's probably just a blocked duct or perhaps mastitis or something like that, but it seemed to go away. So I let it go. I should have trusted my body because I feel like deep down, I knew that something wasn't right, but I just let it go because I think I didn't want to think that something was wrong. So in December of 19, everything was just going really well. Everybody was really happy. We had celebrated Christmas and we were going into the new year and everybody was just happy. Everything was going well. My job was really satisfying. Lily was really happy. It was beautiful watching her grow. My husband and I were going really well. We found out that we were pregnant with Jasmine and it was just a really fun time introducing a second child into our relationship we knew was going to be testing but that is definitely not what was going to test us in January to February of 2020 I had noticed that there was some changes to my left nipple and again I kind of just brushed it off as look I don't even know what I thought I think that I was just in a bit of denial that something really wrong could be happening. But it wasn't until May of 2020 that I decided to go and get an ultrasound and get checked by my GP because I had really come to the realisation that something was going on and something wasn't right. 
So I went to the GP. She, again, brushed it off as it's probably a blocked duct. You're pregnant. You are starting to wean your two and a bit year old. I would suggest that it's probably just a bit of um, milk buildup. And what I really had gone to her for was reassurance that I could breastfeed my second baby because that was something that was really important to me. Breastfeeding Lily was really important, just that connection. And it's just something within my values that is really important to me. So I'd gone to the doctor and she said to me, look, you should go and have a scan within the next couple of days. By chance, as I was leaving the doctor's surgery, I had just rang up one of the radiologists to see if I could get an appointment. And they said, look, somebody's cancelled. You can come in now. And I thought, oh, that's perfect. Lily's with my mum. I'll just go in and have the scan. They're probably going to see that it is a blocked duct or something like that. So it wasn't exactly an anxious or nervous wait waiting to have the scan. I just thought that it was going to be fine. So I got called, went in, and the lady was very lovely. We were having lots of small talk, talking about the fact that I was pregnant again and, you know, talking about babies and those sorts of things. Then she was doing the scan and I just felt her demeanor change. So I think I've got the ability to be able to read people and, you know, you can just sense that something's not right. She went quiet. She did the scan of my left nipple and started to go up into my armpit as well and had taken several pictures. And my heart kind of just sank because I felt like I knew that something was wrong, but she kind of turned around and she's like, look, I'll just get them to have a look at the pictures, which is generally what they do. But she was gone for a long time. So it was about 10 to 15 minutes that I was sitting there waiting and your mind just starts to race you know, you think, is something wrong? Is it okay? But as a generally positive person, you kind of just try to think, you know, maybe the person that's looking over the scan is just busy. So I was driving back to get to Lily, back from the scanning place to my mum's house. By the time I had got back to my mum's house, which is probably about a 10 minute drive, my GP had rang me and said to me, look, I need you to come in tomorrow for a double appointment just to discuss your results. So that was, you know, within 10 minutes of leaving the radiologist to getting home. I'd received that phone call and I knew at that point in time that something was wrong. So I had picked up Lily and I was calling my husband or fiance at the time. I was calling him just to say, look, this is what's happened. And I couldn't even get it out. I just broke down because I knew that something was wrong. So it came to the double appointment and everything happened very quickly, which is fantastic. But in hindsight, I don't think that I realized the severity because things were happening within days. So I took my husband along to this double appointment, which was the day after having the scan. So we were in the doctor's surgery and she had just said to me, look, we don't, we found a lump. We're not entirely sure what it is, but we've also found something in your lymph node as well. So we need you to go and get it checked out. I've booked an appointment with you for tomorrow. So this was again, two days after that initial scan. I booked an appointment for you for tomorrow with Dr. Eaton, who is the head of surgery in Flinders. So Flinders Private. So you're seeing him tomorrow. And that's really where it all kicked off. 
we went to that appointment and I had to have a biopsy. So bearing in mind at this point in time, I am about four-ish months pregnant, four to five months pregnant. So you've got so many emotions already running through. There's COVID, you're scared about, we didn't know too much, you know, scared about COVID, worried about what could be happening. So we sat down at this appointment with the doctor and he had said to me, straight out this is very common what we see and he did actually tell me that he thinks that it could be cancerous at that point in time so that's purely from a scan before the biopsy just from looking at it he thought that it was going to be cancer and look I'm the sort of person that I need to know the worst case scenario and track back I like to plan from knowing give me all of the information tell me the worst case scenario it's the age-old saying of you know plan for the worst but hope for the best so it was like that and I had to go and have a biopsy and look within a couple of days it came back to say that it was invasive ductal carcinoma and I had level at that point it was just there was no stages because they couldn't stage it it was just level two cancer so I received that phone call I was at the park with my husband and my daughter and he said it straight out over the phone so hearing those words I guess time just stopped still at that point in time you don't think that that's what you're going to hear you even to that very phone call, I still thought that everything was going to be okay. How could something like that happen when you're pregnant for one? And I have no history of breast cancer in my family. I was just freshly 34. So I was still 33 at the time. Oh, sorry. When it would have come on, I was 33 and then diagnosed at 34. You know, how could something like that happen when there is just no history? So it, it isn't something that you think is going to happen to you. And again, it's you take your health for granted. You know, like if you break a, an arm, you sit there and you think, oh my gosh, you think of all the things that you used to do when you were able-bodied with two working, functioning arms. Or even when you're sick and you've got the flu or you've got a cold and you think, you know, you miss out on events and you can't go to the gym. You can't see people. You sit there and you think about how lucky you were when you were unwell. And I think that we all need to take every single day. There needs to be that gratitude where you thank whatever it is that you believe in, spirit, mother nature, God, whatever that may be. We need to be grateful for our health no matter what's going on, I think it's just about being grateful and taking that time to really have your affirmations and be grateful for life, be grateful for your health. If you are completely healthy at this point in time, that is lucky. And it's funny, isn't it? Like we get so caught up in feeling like we don't look the right way or we want to change things about our body. But when it comes down to it, We've got our health, which is everything, because when that's taken away from you, you've actually got nothing. You know, you think about a funeral, people don't sit there and say, oh my gosh, she was just so stunning. She was just so pretty, you know, not to be morbid talking about death, but that's not what people remember. They don't remember, oh, she just used to splash her cash and she had the best clothes. She was always at the gym. You know, she really 
people don't think about that people think about the kindness and the time and the conversations and the moments where people are present and Mm -hmm. that's what people remember is moments with you not is about what you look like it's the impact you leave on others and how you make others feel absolutely Absolutely. so you get this diagnosis then what so what do they then because I'm assuming your mind's racing thinking okay Mm. regarding treatment I'm pregnant so how does that all work what was the protocol moving forward with that so that is exactly what I had thought is being pregnant what is going to happen here and my family as well you know breaking the news to them and telling them what was going on There was mixed messages from family. Some people thought, well, if you need to focus on you, what about the baby? Which is so awful and not once. It didn't even cross my mind to not have Jasmine. It just did not even cross my mind. But there was quite a few different influences from my nearest and dearest, which, look, I understand why they would have been thinking just focus on yourself but just not once did I think of not having her and I could not even imagine not having Jasmine because she was honestly I think that she is one of the biggest things to get me through because I could not focus on myself I was doing it for her and also by the same breath I was doing it for myself to be here for everybody So, you know, you get that diagnosis and you think, what is treatment going to look like? I had initially thought not much could be done considering the fact that I was pregnant, but I was lucky enough to be in my second trimester. So I went to see the surgeon first off and she had told me that it was the grade two or the level two and that it was reasonably aggressive. So there's three different grades. It was sitting in the middle. And they needed to be able to slow down the growth, but she didn't want to do surgery whilst I was pregnant. And the only real risk is the general anesthetic, but that's not what they wanted to do. They wanted to send me to my oncologist and she was just amazing. And she hit me with it straight away that I would be having chemotherapy whilst I was pregnant. And not only was it chemotherapy, but it's what they call the red devil, which is one of the strongest chemos and undoubtedly I was meant to be outrageously sick and I would lose all of my hair. That was just a non-negotiable. And just hearing those words, it just felt like an out-of-body experience. It is not something that you expect to hear. And I think it really made it real. It cemented the fact that this is what was going to happen. And so many decisions are made for you. Even when you're pregnant, so much is out of your control. The way that your body is, the way that your body grows and reacts is out of your control. And this was just more so out of control. And I am a bit of a control freak. I also don't like to be, or at the time, vulnerability is very foreign to me. I consider myself to be quite a strong and stoic person. So To be sitting there, given this information, all of that and all of who I thought I was just went out the window. You know, it changed everything, that conversation. And I think at the time, I didn't even know how much it was going to change my life, but it did. So I had to have chemo while I was pregnant. Being told that I was going to lose my hair 
in the grand scheme of things from an outsider looking in wouldn't be that bad you would think that you know that's just part and parcel with what was going to happen but for me I had hair down to my luscious you know yeah I was gonna say to paint a picture for anyone that hasn't seen Amanda her hair was super long and just like honestly it was just beautiful (laughs) like really gorgeous and you know it does become I have long hair too and it becomes a part of you becomes a part absolutely. of absolutely like Amanda with the long hair Tash with the long hair you get that yes. becomes a part of you and you identify as that so I could really only imagine that being stripped away like another thing stripped away from you it was it was a part of my identity and I felt like so many different pieces of my identity were being taken away so you know you've got these little things that happen day in day out that you think are going to rock you and you might get frustrated throughout the day or feel a little bit sad throughout the day. Just these small little things. But in the grand scheme of things, those things are just so minute. We get caught up in, you know, missing out on a sale or the red light. You catch every single red light and you just think, what is going on? How's my luck? But (laughs) we are At that point in time, you know, you're healthy and you're alive and you get to experience life. And then you've got the big things like being told that you have cancer and you have to go through treatment whilst you're pregnant. And that's not to minimize other people's issues and what they're going through. But I think sometimes we just need a bit of a wake up to things aren't really that bad. It's perspective. Um, It's perspective. And I think the thing that we all get caught up in is our own heads mm-hmm. and thinking how how hard life is for us. And you forget that actually where you are right now, and this is why practicing gratitude is so important because we need to stop, recognize all of the blessings in our life and really focus on that because it's super easy to focus on the negative. And as human nature is the way that we are, We just default to the negative a lot of the time, but it's reminding ourselves, putting our life into perspective and being really grateful for what we have. Even though things aren't perfect, they're a lot better than, you know, the way that a lot of other people live. Absolutely. And that is how I felt even going through what I was going through. I feel like that was a reminder to me to practice gratitude and so many good things happened from this cancer diagnosis, which is crazy to say, you know, my 2020 had consisted of getting engaged, being pregnant, getting a cancer diagnosis, going through three rounds of chemotherapy, having a really high risk pregnancy, which I wasn't used to. With Lily, it was just this textbook pregnancy, textbook birth, and everything was just amazing. Whereas with this pregnancy, because I was taking steroids and having chemotherapy, I had got gestational diabetes, which was really new for me. I had high blood pressure because of all of the toxins that are being pumped throughout your body. And obviously having breast cancer, it was just this completely different level of pregnancy than what I was used to. But we also bought a house during that period of time, which we love and it is our family home. We have gotten married and this diagnosis has brought my husband and I 
to just a completely different level of intimacy. He has just been my rock throughout this whole journey and we've gone on the journey together. It hasn't been just me by myself. He has just helped me so much. You know, again, I know I keep on going back to being grateful and talking about gratitude, but I think that that is something that really helped me through is being able to support that vulnerability that I hated, I have now come to love. Mm. And and I think that that has deepened my relationship with my husband as well, is being able to be vulnerable and him seeing me in a different light. And it's just a whole different ballgame, bringing that vulnerability into it and not feeling like I have to be so strong and so strong for everybody else. But it is about balance. It's about being strong and being that beacon of light, but also taking that time to be vulnerable and let other people help you. So going back to this treatment plan, I had the three rounds of the red devil, as they call it. And then it was time to get Jasmine out because she was, because I had gestational diabetes as well. And my blood pressure was through the roof because I was just a little bit stressed. Just a tad (laughs) hearing that time. (laughs) (laughs) So it was time to get Jasmine out and I had a super quick labor, although it was very different to Lily, it was still beautiful. And I was just so grateful that she was here and alive because that was probably the hardest thing for me throughout the entire journey was you've got this baby that's on the inside and you can't see them. You can get scans every three weeks. And I would have a scan before every round of chemotherapy and they would say that she's fine. But the minute you leave that room, my mind would start racing to think, oh my gosh, is something wrong? How many times has she kicked this hour? After every chemo, is she going to be okay? So that was something that I struggled with. But I think mindfulness helped me for that was trying to calm my thoughts and practice mindfulness and really being in the moment helped me for, I think, the whole journey, just calming your thoughts and not letting your mind race to the worst case scenario because as you pointed out before Tash that's what we do is our mind goes to the worst case scenario and if you continue to feed those thoughts you're just going to be in a hole and when you're going through something that is the hardest for me this was the hardest thing that I've ever had to go through and I think it will continue to be hopefully this is the worst thing that's ever going to happen but it's just about being in the moment and not letting your mind race. It's kind of like what you feed grows, right? And I think a lot of us aren't aware of the thoughts that we're thinking. And so we just think these thoughts, whether they be negative or self-limiting beliefs, and we don't question them. And, And that's kind of the beauty of mindfulness is that we allow ourselves to think that are coming into our minds, but we can ponder them and question them Mm. and being aware of them and challenging them. It's not about absolutely and they will, them. Yeah, they will still pop in. You know, they they will, yes, they will consistently always pop into your head. It's about questioning them and choosing not to believe them. Yes. And rewriting your script. So if you are somebody that is negative and somebody that your mind can get away with you, with your thoughts, because they are only thoughts, it's not always the reality. And most times it's not reality. So Jasmine was born and 
all of those fears that I had were just gone, which was amazing. But I was only able to have about two weeks with her before I needed to have a mastectomy. And that was huge for me. The whole time I was pregnant, um, they had said to me that I would only need a lumpectomy. And the difference between the two is just massive. You just take a lump or you take the whole breast. And my surgeon had called me the day before I was going to be induced with Jasmine to tell me that, which was a little bit crazy. And it took a lot to get my head wrapped around. But my whole thing was just not trying to think about the future, was just to stay in the moment and just do what I needed to do to be able to get through for me and my family and the baby. So Jasmine was about two or three weeks old when I had a mastectomy. So I had to stay in hospital and leave Lily. She was with my mum, which I was very grateful for. And the team at the hospital were fantastic because they actually allowed Jasmine to stay with me. So they allowed my husband and Jasmine to stay in the hospital, which was nice. I was there for about three or four days and I was fighting for my life and I was fighting to be here for my children and my husband. You know, I chose life throughout this entire journey. So I healed really well after having the mastectomy. During that time, I was using Facebook as a platform to really promote what had happened and to get people to check their chests because you never know, like we were saying at the start of the podcast, you never know what is going to happen. And irrespective of your age, your gender, your health status, I was a pretty healthy pregnant person going into this. It can get anybody, you've got family history or not. It is really important to understand how to do a breast check And the moment you think that something is wrong, don't just think, oh, it'll be fine and leave it because early detection and prevention is massive. I ended up being diagnosed with stage 2B invasive ductal carcinoma and I had two tumours and it had spread to two of my lymph nodes. So had I not have gone when I went and I kick myself for not going earlier, but You can't harp on the past. We're in the present and what has happened has happened. All that I can do is to try to promote people regularly checking their breasts every month at the start of the month. Because if I had have left it, look, it wouldn't have been as easily treatable as it was. And I say that quite loosely saying easily treatable because once I had Jasmine, I still had to have another seven rounds of chemo. I did need to have further rounds, but I ended up getting a reaction to the chemotherapy and my oncologist had just tried to weigh up what is easier for me at this present moment in time and what is easier long-term. I ended up getting neuropathy in my hands and my feet, which could have been long-term nerve damage, but I was lucky that I stopped my course of chemo six sessions earlier and it's since resolved which is I'm so thankful for that but then after that I needed to have 25 fractions of radiotherapy as well which is every single day and juggling a newborn and a two and a half year old and having to go to the hospital every single day at different times of the day was just out of this world and you know we talk about tiredness It was just a whole different level and a whole different ball game. But something within me, 
you know, there's a lot of women that I talk to that go through the same, a similar diagnosis and they are just so tired all the time. Look, I was tired, but I honestly have just chosen life and I don't want to sleep my days away and not spend time with my girls and be able to go out and go to the shows and, you know, go to the zoo and go to the park and just do those things that really mean things. You know, they're the really meaningful moments. It's not big extravagant holidays. It's not, you know, living in the fanciest house, having the most amazing things with the best of everything. It's about cherishing every moment that you can and really just being mindful and being in the moment and spending that time with your loved ones or your friends or your pet or whoever it is that brings you joy and sparks you joy. It really is just about focusing on those things. It's like full circle. We were talking about being present, right? Like making an impact on others and being present. And that's really what life's about at the end of the day. We can try and accumulate stuff. We can try to, you know, and in my industry, people are constantly striving to look a certain way all the time that that's going to give them happiness. And it doesn't. That's not what it doesn't. You're still the same person. So, and, you know, coming from me, I have been somebody that has always fluctuated with their weight. And when I'm saying weight, I mean, 40 kilos up and down a couple of times and it's not about the way you look it is about the way you feel so if going to the gym so the gym for me when my kids go to bed that's when I go to the gym and I really need that time for me and it recharges me and it makes my body feel good I don't do it to make myself look good I do it to make myself feel good And I think that that is one of the biggest takeaways from this entire experience that I have gone through is finding out about myself and nourishing my body. So I'm not going on a health kick now because I've had cancer. I fuel my body to be the best that it can be. I work out because I want to, and it is good for my body and it's good for my mental health. And it's good for my girls to be able to see that I fuel my body well and I treat my body right. And look, it's the only one that you've got. It's all about health. You know, all the decisions that we make regarding diet and exercise should come from a place of respect and wanting to fuel our body for health and for longevity so that we can live the life that we want to live, not so that we can look a certain way so we gain approval from others or we feel like we're going to be accepted. It's about focusing on health so that we can live the life that we want, impact the people that we want and achieve what we want within our lifetime. You've given so much incredible advice. I'm so thankful that you have shared your story with us. I want to know now where you're at. So how's your health looking? What's the plan for the future? And how are you feeling? So I am feeling pretty good. I've learned a lot about myself and my family. And I also see it is such a journey to go on. Look, I see a psychologist and a counselor at the moment that really helped me to give me some further insights. And mental health is just so important. So I'm definitely getting there. My prognosis moving forward is that I can't say that I am in remission because you have to wait and have so many scans and whatnot to say that. But the tumor is, oh, I had two, they're completely gone. I've 
done all of my active treatments. I am currently on medication, hormone medication, because it was hormone driven for the next 15 years, which is a long time, but it is keeping the cancer from not having a reoccurrence. So I'm happy to do that. It has put me into menopause, which was a little bit difficult to grapple with being 34 years old and thinking that I'm done with having babies, but having that choice taken away was a little bit difficult. But again, it is about being grateful. And I'm so grateful that I have my health and I have my two children. Lots of people can't say that. So look, I'm in a good space. I am enjoying maternity leave with my two little munchkins. Who are super cute. (laughs) Oh, they're absolutely gorgeous. And they've got so much personality. They're just, I feel like they're mini use. You've hit the nail on the head. They are, which is so amazing. Um, I feel like I'm giving them that independence and that real zest for life, which is just so beautiful. Look, sometimes it can be hard to parent, but I would not have it any other way. And it'll put them in amazing steed growing up. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think that they're very blessed to have an incredible role model as a mum in you. So thank you once again for coming on and sharing your story. I think you have inspired a lot of people that have listened and wish you absolutely all the best. Thank you so much. And that is a wrap for this week's episode of the podcast. Big thank you to Amanda for sharing her story. Gosh, what an incredible person. She is so resilient and just always can see the positive in things. So I hope this has helped you to put your life into perspective and your issues and just understand that ultimately if we've got our health, we've got a roof over our head, you know, we're kept warm, we've got clothes, we've got food on the table, we actually have so much and it's super easy to get into a mindset of feeling like, you know, life is tough and life is hard. And yes, life is hard, but we also have a lot. So anyway, that is me for this episode. I look forward to being back in your ears next week. Make sure to hit that subscribe button or the follow button if you are on Spotify to be notified of when my new episodes drop. Hope you have an incredible day. Big love, Coach Tash.